I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. If you are a guest with us this morning, uh, we are very grateful that you're here. My name is Blake Hilgenfeld, one of the pastors here. And uh, if you are a guest, we are uh, in a series on the book of Romans. And actually, we are finishing uh, this series. We have been in Romans for, I think it's been now like a year and a half. We've taken some breaks, but uh, today is our last day. But uh, here's the deal. Let me encourage you. Uh, to, to never stop reading this glorious book uh, of Romans. Because here's the deal. It's going to take us all of eternity uh, to dig up the riches of God's glory that are found in the book of Romans. And so uh, uh, let me encourage you to continue to, to read this letter uh, in your own uh, personal time with the Lord. You will be uh, greatly, greatly blessed as you continue to spend uh, the rest of your life and as we spend eternity with our, our Savior just... Uh, digging up the riches of, of who he is and what he has done that is found in this book of, uh, of Romans. And so uh, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a good day that we're finishing it, but uh, there's a big part of me that's sad that we're actually going to be finishing it. But let me encourage you to continue to, to dive deep into it. Now let me just say this too. Um, we're finishing, obviously, uh, Romans today. Uh, next week, it's, it's crazy, but we are actually going to be starting Advent. So uh, for those of you who don't, uh, do not know, Advent is, is four weeks leading up to Christmas. Now, we're actually, next Sunday will be five weeks, but Christmas uh, falls on a Monday. So Christmas Eve is on, on Sunday. Uh, we'll be having Christmas uh, on at 1045. I'll explain it later. We'll have one service in the morning, and then we'll actually have a Christmas Eve service. Uh, but for the next four weeks, we are going to be looking at uh, the simplicity of the story of the birth of Jesus. And so the way in which we're going to do that is we're going to spend four weeks looking uh, at the story through the eyes of normal everyday people uh, like you and me that God used in significant ways in his coming. So we're going to look at uh, the story of Jesus through the eyes of Mary, uh, Joseph, uh, the shepherds and angels, and the wise men. And so it is our um, it is our hope and prayer that uh, this Advent season, this Christmas season, would be one of very uh, of, of simplicity uh, for us, that we would uh, come back to the story and that we would be simply amazed at our God and what he has done to rescue and redeem and rule uh, over us. And so that's our hope, that's our prayer as we go through the next four weeks uh, leading up to Christmas, that we would come back and we would just take a, a, a simple look at the story of the birth of Jesus and we'd be amazed at how great our God is. Amen? Um, and so that's what we're going to do uh, this morning as well as we finish this, uh, this series, this, uh, this book. And, and so uh, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter uh, 16. If you don't have a Bible, there's one on your seat that's sitting next to you. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to uh, we're going to be in primarily verses 17 through 27 this morning. And within that, we're going to be looking at, uh, at verse 20 and in the very end, the doxology, uh, verses 25 through 27. So primarily verse 20 and then 25 through 27. So uh, let's read these verses together, starting in verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers... To watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
Let's skip to 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and to the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, by your grace and mercy, we come to the end of the book of Romans. And it's 100% by your grace and mercy that we have been able to preach through this glorious letter. And so, Father, as we come to the end of this letter, we see that it ends in praise. And this, Father, as we will see, is the end to which you created all things and redeem all things and restore all things, and that is for your praise and for your glory. And so, Father, as we come to the end of this book, as we look at the end of this letter this morning, once again we ask that you would meet us in this place. We acknowledge that you're with us. We acknowledge that your spirit lives and dwells within us. And we ask that you would meet us in power through your word this morning, that you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would convict our hearts where we need to be convicted. But Father, that we would leave this place as changed people, that our lives would be a song of praise to you, Father, for your glorious work that you have accomplished to redeem us and rule over us. So Father, help us to see how wonderful of news that is this morning. May we see your glory and find great joy in your glory that may lead us to live lives of praise to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So as I just prayed, um, we are at the very end of this, this book, and it's, it's really fitting uh, that the end of the book of Romans ends in praise. Uh, for this is the purpose, or this is the goal, this is the end uh, of God's plan of creation and redemption and restoration of all things, praise and glory. We see this all throughout the Bible. As Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So everything that we see, guys, the moon and the stars... Uh, the breathtaking Oklahoma sunsets, the flowers in the field, fields were created to display the beauty and the glory of their maker for the sake of his praise. And us too. Isaiah 43, 6, 6 says, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone is called by my name, whom... I created for my glory whom I formed and made. So everything, guys, all of creation, you and me, were created to display and enjoy the glory of our maker for the sake of his praise. And so if, if we go back to the very beginning of all creation, this is where we, we get this picture of what God intended for all of creation to be about. If we go back all the way to the garden, we see that there was perfect life. Where all of God's creation 
We were in true freedom and true, uh, true, true joy to be able to enjoy God's perfect fellowship and harmony and relationship with him where everything was good, right, and perfect as God is good, right, and perfect. So in the very beginning, there was no sickness, there was no death, there was no evil. All of creation enjoyed the love and care and protection of their maker, God himself, for the sake of his praise. And then... The rebellion came. The creation, as we kind of looked at last week, the creation God loved and treasured the most, the only uh, creation that he created in his image, the only uh, creation that he created to know and taste and experience the glory of his love and intimacy and relationship to him, chose to listen to the lie of Satan. So the first son and daughter of God, Adam and Eve... Believed the lie that it's better to be praised. And so they exchanged the praise of God for the praise of themselves. And as a result of this great and, and terrible exchange, it brought all of creation into a state of ruin and misery. As a result of this rebellion, a result of this exchange, what happened was is sin and evil and death and chaos and destruction came into this world. And these things are not of God. They are of the ruler of this world who is Satan. He is, Satan is the father of sin and, 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 and evil and death and chaos and destruction. And the reality is, as we see these things all around us today, don't we? I mean, we, if you just turn on the news or in your own life, we experience and we taste the hand of Satan every single day that we wake up. We see the evil as one of God's creation created to display his character and nature, display his glory, goes into a church building and murders other image bearers of God. And this leaves us weeping and this leaves us groaning and this leaves us hoping for the day that all will be made right. Where everything will be brought back into this place, into this existence, into this state where everything is good, right, and perfect. Guys, we long for this day. We hope for this day that this day will come when we finally get to experience, and we finally get to taste, and we finally get to see life in the garden where everything that we touch and everything we see and everything we taste and smell is good, right, and perfect as God is good, right, and perfect. But here we are. Right? Like here we are waiting. We're waiting in the midst of evil and suffering. We are waiting in the midst of chaos and destruction. We're waiting in sickness. We, we, we wait with the reality that death looms, is looming over, all, over us, all, all of us. It is hanging over us. But we wait this morning not without hope. We wait with hope in the coming day. When the God of peace will come and finally crush Satan once and for all. This is the promise, the glorious promise that our God makes. You see, the, the word crush that Paul uses in verse 20, it takes us back to the beginning, guys. It takes us all the way back to the garden. After the rebellion, a promise was made. God made a promise. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God said to the serpent who is Satan, he says, a man's going to come, he's going to be born, and he's going to crush your head. 
And this man is our king, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Satan serpent crusher. And he, and through him, he is the only one who will bring about this state of perfection, this state where everything is good, right, and perfect. And he is the only one who can deliver humanity, who can deliver you, and who can deliver me from the captivity of Satan and release us from the prison and domain of darkness. Jesus Christ is the only one who can free us. As Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says this about Jesus, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. When we see Jesus, guys, we see the image of the invisible God. We see the image of God. We see his character. We see his nature in display and perfection. Verse 16, for by him all things were created by Jesus. And in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers, authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together, and he is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in, in, in everything he might be preeminent, he may rule over everything, he may be significant. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him... To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of of his cross. So Jesus is the only one who could come and crush Satan. And he has come, and the promise is that he will come again. So at his first coming, Jesus disarmed uh, Satan and, and all of his, uh, all of his uh, demons and all the principles and, and authorities. He disarmed them. He put them uh, to open shame by trampling over them. And he did this at the cross. So he carried our sin. He carried our shame. He carried the guilt and weight of all we've done. And Jesus was crushed on the cross for our treason and our rebellion. And he did this to free us. He did this to free us from our greatest fears and our greatest enemies, which is Satan's sin and death. The God of peace, Jesus Christ, came to us, his enemies, and through his death, he has freed us. He has given us victory. But listen very carefully. It's through his resurrection that we have the promise this morning that one day soon he will come and Satan will finally be defeated. We have this promise That through the resurrection of this person named Jesus Christ, that one day we will have final victory in his presence where everything is good, right, and perfect. So the question is, is this your hope? That through Jesus, this morning and tomorrow and all the days into eternity, you have victory. You have victory over Satan. You have victory over evil. You have victory over sin. You have victory over death because of Jesus Christ. That's our hope. Listen, as I was praying for our time together, and as I was thinking about myself, and I was thinking about you, and I saw uh, many of your faces, there was one word that kept on coming back to me, and that is the word fear. Now, I don't know what's going on this morning. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I, I don't know if the thought of someone coming into this place and causing us harm causes you to go to this place of great fear this morning. I don't know if if you're sick and the thought of what may happen to you causes you to go to this dark place of fear. Maybe the thought of losing a loved one. 
Maybe the thought of death. Maybe you're not sick, but I mean, just the thought of being sick one day and, and, and maybe losing your life and losing uh, those you love. I mean, the thought of losing my kids. I don't know, parents, if you start thinking about your kids and sometimes this comes into your mind about what may happen to them one day of losing them and it takes me into this really, really dark place of fear. Listen, here's the reality, guys. None of us can escape the reality that death will come to us all. And, and, and none of us can escape the reality. Like, we cannot hide from the evil in this world. Sickness and evil and death are inescapable. I mean, this is the reality of living in a world where Satan and the consequences of sin still has power. But listen very carefully. They do not have final power. They do not have the final say. Why? Because Jesus has the final victory. Therefore, if you belong to him, no matter what happens to you, no matter what happens to you or to those who you love, if you belong to Jesus, he holds you in your ha- his hands and nothing, nothing, nothing can ultimately crush you. Listen, Satan is going to try. He will try. He will try and try and try to crush you, but he cannot ultimately win because if you pledge your allegiance to King Jesus, you belong to the victor. And because he was crushed on your behalf, he holds the keys to release you from your greatest enemies and your greatest fears. He has got you. He's got you. He's got you. And he has conquered over everything. And one day soon he's going to come for you and death will be no more. Sickness will be no more. Satan and evil will finally be freed. All because Jesus is the victor and he will come and make everything good, right, and perfect as it was intended to be. And this is the promise of our God and it's an amazing promise. Amen? And he's an amazing king, isn't he? Jesus is an amazing savior. Because all of this is given to us through him and for him. And nothing, guys, nothing, nothing, nothing will ever, ever prevent this from happening. Not even all the powers of hell and evil combined can stop God because, listen, when God promises to do something, he is going to do it. You can bank on it. You cast your doubts on it. You can cast your fears on it. You can cast your anxieties and your unbelief that one day soon God is going to come and he's going to crush Satan and bring everything into perfection. That is the hope that we have. And it's a glorious hope. It's a glorious promise. And this is the good news of the gospel that's found in Jesus. And it's this gospel, it's this good news, guys, that gives us hope, but it's also what strengthens us As we wait in this world that's busted and broken up. Look at verse 25. So it's the gospel that gives us hope, but it's also the gospel that gives us strength. Look at verse 25. It says, now to him who is able to what? To strengthen you according to what? According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Now guys, let's go back to the very beginning of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. The gospel is what? You remember what Paul says? The gospel is, it is, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so listen very carefully. The gospel not only saves us, 
as he says in, in 116, but Paul says here, the gospel also does what? It strengthens us. So let's not, let's not forget that the gospel is not just what brings us into the kingdom of God. The gospel and all of the promises that God makes to us in the gospel is what strengthens us as we live out this life of faith in this busted and broken up world. And so it's all these promises that God makes to us in the gospel is what helps us to fight our doubts and our unbeliefs and our fears and our anxieties. Any of you have unbeliefs this morning? Any of you struggle with that? Any of you struggle with doubts? Any of you struggle with fears and anxieties? What is the solution to kill those things? What is the solution to give us hope? What is the solution to give us strength? It's the gospel. It's the, it's the promises that God makes to us in the gospel. And not only that, but, but Paul says in these verses what the gospel is. The gospel is Jesus Christ. It's, it's the work and person of Jesus, the, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who, who died and rose to rule over all of creation for eternity. And so listen very carefully. Paul says in this text that all of the scriptures, guys... All the Old Testament writings, all the prophetic writings, the Old Testament, New, New Testament, everything within the Bible centers and predicts and points to the person of Jesus Christ, the rescuer and ruler. Everything. And so do you, you wonder why when we gather together uh, in this time, we always come back uh, when we open up the scriptures, we always come back to the promises found in the gospel. It's because everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Everything. It points to who he is. It points to what he has done. It points to the promises of future grace and all, all that is given to us in Jesus. And so this is why we come back to the gospel every single time we open up the Bible. Because listen very carefully. Maybe um, you have been taught this, but listen, the Bible primarily is not a how-to book on how we are to live a life. Now listen, it does give us instruction of how God has designed how we are to live out his plans and purposes and his will, which is ultimately for our good and for our flourishing. We are to look at how God has designed the way we are to live and we are to pursue that. But listen very carefully. The Bible primarily is a revelation to reveal to us Jesus Christ and his great promises that are found in the gospel which saves us and gives us hope and gives us strength. That's what the Bible's for. As I was driving home one day, I was listening to this radio station and from time to time there's this pastor that gets on uh, this radio station and he gives this short little lesson from the Bible. And it's, not, it's not bad stuff. It's, it's pretty good uh, practical and, and good life lessons to, to live a better and, and good life. And and I listened to one of uh, these messages the other day, and, and uh, it was about not giving up on your dreams. So he tells this story of a friend of his who uh, gave up everything to live out uh, a dream of his, and he lost everything because the opportunity uh, did not pan out or turn out the way in which he had hoped. But he didn't give up. He continued to try to live out his dream. And so uh, another opportunity came, and by the age of 39... Uh, he fulfilled his dream, and the guy became a multi-multi-millionaire. And so he asked his friend, he said, hey, why do you still work even though you've made a ton of money? And he said, listen, uh, if you do not have a dream to live for, life is not worth living. Now, that's, that's pretty good stuff, right? But here's the problem with this. That message, even taken from the Bible, could be taught on Dr. Phil. 
It could be taught in a mosque. It could be taught in a Jewish synagogue. And unfortunately, messages like this are taught every single day within churches all throughout this, this country. And the result is, is that we get messages that basically tell broken and sinful human beings to just do better and straighten up. And as a result, we have churches filled with people who are either prideful or full of despair or worse, they are unsaved. Why? Because the Bible is not primarily about making us into a people who say, I got this, I can do this. Nor is it leaving us into this place where it says, you know what, I tried it and I cannot do it. It's not leaving us in this place of despair. The Bible, guys, is meant to move us towards faith in a Savior whose grace saves us and moves us beyond our performance to his performance and then gives us hope to live out the life that he calls us to through the power in which he gives us through his spirit because the Bible ultimately, if we read it correctly, it reveals that we are more broken and helpless and sinful than we ever dared to imagine. But it also reveals, guys, that we are more loved by God than we ever dared hoped. And the promises found in the gospel is what gives us confidence and assurance and strength to endure in this life that's filled with suffering and sickness and death and evil. And all the promises that we need to sustain us in this life are found in the scriptures, are found in the gospel, are found in, the Jesus, in Jesus Christ. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we need the gospel. So the question is, what do you need this morning? You need your faith to be strengthened? Do you need the assurance that your future is secure in the mighty sovereign hand of a good and loving God? Is that what you need? You need rest for your weary and anxious and fearful soul? You need the weapon this morning to help you fight against anxiety and unbelief and doubt? Where do we find the strength? Where do we find the hope? Where do we, where do we find the, the, the strength to endure in this life? Is it in a message that centers on us? A message that tells us how do we are to fulfill our dreams? No. Guys, what you need and what I need, what my soul needs, what your soul needs, is to be strengthened this morning to hear the promises of God that are found in his word in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do not need a five-step message to a better life. What we need is to hear the voice of God saying to us, I have loved you with an unstoppable and ferocious love which is seen in the life, death, and resurrection of my son. What we need to hear is the Father saying to us, I have always loved you. I have always loved you and I chose you in my Son before the foundation of the world. And nothing, 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 nothing can ever separate you from my love. Not even sickness, not even death, not even Satan himself. Because in love I have predestined you for adoption. And you are my sons. And you are my daughters in whom I love. And this is where you find your greatest sense of value and worth. And I have forgiven you. And I accept you through the blood and righteousness of my son. Therefore, I'm no longer angry with you. But I have a smile of reconciliation upon my face, my face towards you. And I promise to always protect you. And lead you. And guide you. 
and strengthen you by my mighty hand all the days of your life. You've got my indwelling presence within you through the Holy Spirit. I am with you. I will never forsake you. And one day soon, I'm coming back for you and you get to enjoy my presence forever where everything is good, right, and perfect. And the new heavens and the new earth, this is what we need to hear. Because doesn't this strengthen your faith this morning? Doesn't this give you endurance? Doesn't this give you insurance, uh, assurance? Listen, there's nothing that will strengthen our faith like the promises of our God. There's nothing that will strengthen our faith understanding the true character and nature of who our God is. So woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. And woe to us if we neglect memorizing and going to his promises. I mean, woe to us if we neglect, stop preaching the good news of the gospel, all of his, all of his promises uh, to the depths of our soul. So here's the application for this point. For the sake of your soul and for the sake of my soul, let us give our lives, let us give ourselves daily to read and bank on the promises of God found in his word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our life. It's the sword. It's our hope. It's our strength. Because here's the deal, guys. By doing so, the fruit will be hope and strength in your life. Hope and strength found in the gospel. And not only that, this is going to change your life. Because as we get into the promises of God and we find hope and strength, you know what this does? It produces or it changes us and makes us into a people of praise. Look at verse 25. So the gospel gives us hope and strength, but it also changes us to produce us a life of praise. Let's read the whole doxology. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for, secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed into the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, what does God desire of us this morning? What does he desire of you and me all the days of our life and all into eternity? Glory and praise. For God inhabits the praises of his people. And what produces praise? It's seeing his glory. It's seeing his awesome deeds. It's seeing his his wondrous acts and his amazing promises, which are clearly seen where? In the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is another reason why we preach the gospel. It not only gives us hope, and not only strengthens us, but it produces praise within us. And this is why a message that primarily focuses on good practical life lessons is deadly in the church. Why? Because it does not produce the praises of God's people. The message on the radio does not turn my heart and my eyes and my affections and my attention to God for the sake of his praise. What does it do? It turns my attention to myself and makes life about me. And this robs God of his glory. It robs him of his praises. And why would we do this? I mean, I ultimately I know why. Because deep down our, our hearts are not inclined to praise God. We either save the praises like Adam and Eve for ourselves because we love us some praises. Or we're blinded to the reality, the truth of who God really is. 
You see, every one of us have at times this picture of God that does not align to the true character and nature of who he is as he's revealed himself to us in the gospel, in his word. We, we make up God in our hearts and minds to, to, to be this God that we want him to be. But guys, when we begin to see all that God is, and we see him for how he truly is, how he has revealed himself to us in his word, when we see his power, when we see his love, when we see his holiness, when we see his righteousness and his goodness and his mercy and grace, you know what that does? It produces within us this song of praise to the greatness of our God. And when we see him as he truly is, as he really is, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it should produce us and cause us to be like the psalmist in Psalm 145, which says this. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and I shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works I will, what? Meditate. That shall speak of your might, of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness, and they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud all of your righteousness. The Lord is what? He is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he's made. And your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall what? Bless you. I shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power and to make known to children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures for all of generations. Listen, guys, we want a five-step message uh, to a better life. I'll give us two. Give yourself to meditate on the splendor and glory of your God and praise him. Give yourself to meditate and to think about the awesome deeds, the character and nature of your great God and praise him so that your life and my life can be summed up in one word, and that is praise. Praise to the glory of God forevermore through Jesus Christ. You know the song that goes like this? To God be the glory Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. I would sing it, but you guys don't want me to sing it. Who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate they all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. Is this your life? Is this what you want your life to be about? This is the ultimate goal of the book of Romans, guys. The ultimate goal of the book of Romans, what God intended in the writing of this letter, is to reveal the greatness of our God, who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, who has revealed the love and length and width and, and depth and height of his love and grace in the gospel. Why? To bring about the obedience of faith, or the fruit of faith, which causes our lives to be a song of praise and sacrifice to the greatness of our God. Is this your life? 
Is your life a, a song of praise to the God who left the throne of heaven and took on flesh and blood and carried your sin and shame to the grave to open the life gate that you may go in? This is the greatest purpose of your life. To live a life of glory and praise and thanksgiving to the God who gives you every breath that you take and to the God who doesn't leave you in the captivity of Satan's sin and death, though he had every right to do so. He had every right to leave rebellious creation into this state of captivity, but he came for us, he came for you, he came for me, and now we belong to him. So let it be the dream of your life to live a life of praise and thanksgiving to the God the book of Romans revealed, for this is what you're made for, this is what you're saved for, and so as we go throughout the next week of being in thankfulness and thanksgiving, let us not neglect the greatness of our God.